You're listening to the SWAT Agronomy Podcast, the show for people who leverage the latest in technology to solve agronomic problems. If you're interested in on-farm application of precision ag technology, you've come to the right place. Get ready as we unpack the insights and experiences of the agronomic minds leading our industry forward. Today on the SWAT Agronomy Podcast. Years ago, everybody planted dinner. You know, 20, 30 years ago, you planted 20,000. 22,000 was the most for corn. And obviously with everything else, you want to push yield. So, you know, guys will blanket 34,000. And that only works when you get adequate rainfall. So what we're trying to do is we're not necessarily trying to save people seed. We're just trying to put those dollars in areas of the field where it's going to return their money better. So in our wetter areas, our zones seven, eight, nines, and tens, we are trying to push those populations. Um, and then, as Justin said, in those lighter areas, 25, 26,000, to still get that average of 29 to 30,000. Um, that's really what we're after. We're not trying to save on seed or anything like that. We're just trying to reallocate those dollars to make, to make you more money in those areas. Nebraska farmers, brothers, and co-owners of JTM Ag, Trent and Justin Masney, join the show. Trent and Justin talk about their search for a system that would better serve their farm and how they landed on SWAT maps. They also talk about JTM Ag, which now helps other farmers in the area take their variable rate technology to the next level through SWAT maps and combining that with soil and tissue sampling with Agronomy 365 and BW Fusion. They also talk specifically about some of the research they've been conducting on population economics and some other experiments they're doing on the farm and their early impressions of the SWAT cam technology. Trent and Justin are located in northeast Nebraska. Both started their careers off the farm, then came back. Justin came back to the farm in 2010 after working in the auto body industry, and Trent in 2019 after four years or so as an agronomist. And not too long after Trent came back to the farm, the two launched JTM Ag. And Trent's going to kick off today's interview with describing the decision to launch that company. So what JTM Ag is, it's just a it's a small service provider for an agronomy business, essentially. Uh, we're looking to create value to farmers in our area through prescriptions. Um, it seems like that is kind of something in our area that is lacking. Um, you know, there's fertilizer dealers, there's co-ops, there's independents, there's seed dealers, there's all sorts of different things. But we're trying to take the precision agronomy to the next level. Um, and we thought SWAT maps would kind of match what we're going after here. Cool. Take us back to when you, it, it felt like seed wasn't working, but this new direction was kind of what, what did that look like for you? So, yeah, we, uh, we wanted something to be able to piggyback off the farm operation to provide some extra income for the both of us and to keep us, you know, uh, busy in some downtime and stuff like that. So we were always using grid samples and grid maps and stuff for fertilizer racks. And it just seemed like that wasn't what we wanted to use. It just didn't provide us with enough to show the variability in the field. And by getting into SWAT maps and meeting with the guys that came out and did that, they were able to show us on a perfectly flat field the variability in that and the water holding capacity. And then one of our hilliest farms. And by matching that up to some of our previous grids and stuff like that, we saw a huge value in that variability within that two and a half acre grid. 
And that is what we see huge, tremendous value in to be able to offer to other guys as well. And let's talk about the farming operation. Have you all been kind of tech focused on the farming side? Yeah. um, Like I said, I got back in 2010 and we first kind of started with um, the variable rate prescription fertilizer based off of grids. That was pretty big, kind of really starting back around that time. Um, Did that. And then we got our planner, you know, first hydraulic drive planner where we were able to break apart irrigated and dry land. You know, we're... Our farm particularly is not, we're probably maybe a quarter irrigated. So we do use the variable rate prescriptions for, you know, center pivots, making dry land and um, pivot circles, you know, so that we can break apart that. And then going forward, it kind of stayed pretty steady for probably about seven, eight years there. And then we started add, adding in variable rate nitrogen on a side dress machine. And we um, now have variable rate on dry fertilizer as well when we do a lot of in-season stuff and use swap maps a lot to get the most bang for our buck out of that equipment now with the dry fertilizer that's probably the biggest thing because like so we're fairly rolling hills in our area not much bottom flat ground um so when you get to you know the tops of the hills where they've been you know, dist and things like that for many, many years, a lot of erosion in those hills, putting that fertility up on the top of the top of those hills for our farming operation, that's really where it paid. And as we get more into this, um, we're, we keep looking for different ways to, you know, how do we increase kind of the technology on the planner with, you know, I know a lot of people have electric drives. We don't, we're looking into that um, just so we can be really, really precise with swap maps since it's such a precise zone mapping system you really want to make sure that your your technology on the farm kind of matches the technology that you're getting from the swap maps yeah and i i understand you know speaking of that that you all have done kind of a deep dive into population economics can can you talk about what prompted that and and what you've been doing and what you found yeah so we were pretty skeptical on the SWAT map, SWAT agronomy kind of thing so we really wanted to test it on our farm before we kind of dove 100% into it and then started talking to other farmers about it. So last year we had 12 inches of rain. Um, Average rainfall around here, I think is anywhere from 25 to 28 inches. So we were in an extreme drought last year. Um, Average corn usually is that 180 to 200 bushel dryland corn. Last year it was anywhere from 90 to 130. So just for perspective, um, we were fairly short on rain last year, but we did, we had a, we had one field where we did um, we did our regular prescription through swap maps. So our zones one through four, we did twenty six thousand population on corn, um, and then we did five, six, seven, and eight. We did about twenty nine thousand average population, and then our nines and tens we pushed those up to thirty two, thirty four thousand um, on our corn populations, and then we did some strips in there of just regular twenty nine thousand. That's what we average on our farm. So we wanted to just see kind of what the differences would be um, based on how much firing there was, how much tip back in those areas where we where we backed off the population in our drier zones compared to where we didn't back off our population. So it was a very good learning experience. I'm really glad that we found the results that we did. And it just kind of solidified that the SWAT maps and what we're doing is 
showing a return on investment and um, you can actually see it with your own eyes kind of that this is this is some good technology to use. And how did you how did you set up that experiment? And is that something that you have farmers that you work with do on their own farms? So, yeah, we set up the experiment. Um, they just made a, a prescription through swap maps. And then, you know, so we did the whole field and then we just kind of split up, you know, 24 rows. It was just a straight population of twenty nine thousand. It was a quarter mile long throughout the field. We went um, there and back. So we had 48 rows. So we had some good data to go off of. So that's how we set up the the trial. Um, and then we just watched it throughout the year. And actually, it was pretty interesting. Last year, Justin was fungiciding the corn and he stopped halfway through and he was looking at the ground and he was wondering why the corn on the tops of the hills where it was 25, 26,000, it wasn't firing at all. Um, and everything was still green all the way to the ground. And then when he got up to the areas where it was 29,000 population on the tops of the hills, it was firing three to four leaves up towards the ear leaf already. So that just kind of solidified what we were seeing and that it was actually working. So Yeah, and we do have several guys this year that are doing prescriptions similar to that to prove to themselves and to, you know, verify what we've done so on their own farm to see that there is value in it. So there's a few guys that are doing similar blocks in their fields. They'll variable rate based on zone and then they'll put a basic block in there and they're watching it, you know, to verify what we did last year is holds true on their farm. And we are, we're still in a D4 drought in our immediate area. You know, they will be able to see that too. So, and you know, like years, years ago, everybody planted thinner, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you planted 20,000 to 22,000 was the most for corn. And obviously with everything else, you want to push yield. So, you know, guys will blanket 34,000. And that only works when you get adequate rainfall. And it can really hurt your pocketbook and, and it can come back to better management based on zones and, you know, where you really, you can push them spots, push them good spots and, you know, get your most bang for your buck out of those zones ones and twos. So when we're creating prescriptions for our farm or for other people, what we try to do is we try to ask them, what's your average population that you usually do? Um, a lot of people around here, it's 29 to 30,000. So what we're trying to do is we're not necessarily trying to save people seed. We're just trying to put those dollars in areas of the field where it's going to return their money better. So in our wetter areas, our zones seven, eight, nines, and tens, we are trying to push those populations. Um, and then, as Justin said, in those lighter areas, 25, 26,000 to still get that average of 29 to 30,000. Um, that's really what we're after. We're not trying to save on seed or anything like that. We're just trying to reallocate those dollars to make, to make you more money in those areas. And let's talk about, you know, the money from, from a dollar's perspective, what kind of impact can this have? So last year, um, I did a, this study we did, it was, um, in the areas of the zones one through four, where we planted 26,000 compared to 29,000, we actually had an increase in yield of 15 bushel. I know a lot of people are going to probably scoff at that and stuff, but um, it's due to they just had better nutrient um, uptake and, you know, they needed less water. So they were able to get, you know, they were able to get larger ears and things and less tip back. So money wise, so you take, you know, we were able to decrease that seeding rate, decrease the cost per acre in those areas. 
And then we were able to increase yield by 10 to 15 bushel at, you know, at $6 corn. It was a substantial increase. So I don't have the numbers right in front of me on the dollars per acre, but it was a substantial increase and the return on investment was huge. Yeah. And you also, it's not everybody, but several guys are, you know, further along in their variable rate technology and they can also add value there by, okay, then zones ones and twos where you back off your population, say you're going to do a wide drop application or a late season nitrogen application, you know, whereas you maybe just blanket that field with your nitrogen, you can back off in those zones and you're saving some money there on your nitrogen, you know, for what the plant needs and what kind of population you have set up. And if you have the technology, there's huge benefits to it. Yes. So in our area, it's been a long, it's been a long focus for a lot of people to say, well, in those areas, I want to change, you know, when, when the two and a half acre grid started, it was what's kind of the goal of the two and a half acre grid. And it was, well, I want the whole field to be when I'm done with this in 10 or 20 years or whatever it is, I want the whole field to be completely even on fertility. You know, so when you pull soil samples, that whole field looks completely even your pH is, is you know, all even your, your phosphorus is all even your potassium is all even, et cetera. And we just found that you're never going to change the soil. So you're never going to change the soil because number one, tops of your hills are always your driest areas and your bottoms of the hills are always the wettest areas that have years and years of fertility from rainfall and tillage and things like that, moving it down the slopes and stuff. So kind of the goal of the swap maps and stuff is let's kind of divide it into yield gold areas. You know, those tops of those hills, maybe for corn, they're only going to average 160 to 180 on a good year. Um, and, you know, in those bottoms of the hills, even when you are in a drought, you can still raise 250 bushel corn in those certain areas. So let's maybe reallocate those dollars and um, get a better return on investment and try not to even out that whole field simply because of the water holding capacity. To have this high variability, does it necessarily have to be in a field that you can really see it? Absolutely not. You know, yes, we have a lot of rolling hills, but there are creek bottoms and our family farm has been in some creek bottoms since the 50s. And I mean, they're as flat as a board, right? I mean, elevation change of maybe five feet from one end to the other. And the amount of variability in there is huge. And sometimes it ma- it, it'll line up with the yield map and sometimes it won't. But that variability that you see on that swap map allows you to go in them zones and sample and really fine tune what's in them soils. Yeah, it may look even, it may all look the same just from the naked eye, but there is huge variability in them flat fields as well. That's really what sold us on swap maps for the farm was the swap map and the the bottoms that were completely flat. Cause you can see the variability in the hills, but those bottoms that that's where it was extremely impressive. And if I'm, you know, one of the farmers in your area that you're working with on this and, and you just explain to them what you just explained to me and they ask, okay, well, what's it going to cost me to get all that? You know, all that sounds good, but what, what's it going to cost me? You know, how, how does that conversation go? So how the conversation goes with the swap maps is that that is a one-time fee simply because that swap map that you get to create the variable rate prescriptions, that's never going to change. Your fertility is going to change. Um, and your fertility numbers and things like that will change, but the swap map is never gonna change. So that's a one-time fee. In our area, we're at $10 an acre to do that one-time fee. And then the prescriptions and soil sampling and 
that's all really farmer dependent. You know, we've got some young guys in our area that they will gladly save some money and go take that swap map and they will soil sample on their own. And then we'll make the prescriptions. We'll sit down and make those prescriptions with them. Once that swap map is made, then it's really kind of whatever the farmer wants to do. So that's kind of how that conversation goes. Okay, cool. Well, um, you know, I want to kind of get into this section where we sort of talk about what's working, what's not working on the farm. You know, as you think about precision agriculture, we've already covered a lot, but um, what do you, uh, what's keeping you up at night? What's next on your list as far as like, you know, we still need to sort of address this. For the farm side of things, um, it's great to be really in, you know, in depth on on variable rate applications and things like that, but there's just not enough time in the day to do every acre perfectly on what you want to do. So that's uh, that's kind of a challenge that we're going over is kind of what some of the nutrients can you can you try to put in certain spots and stuff like that. We're not driving over the field eight ten times, and you're you know you're just kind of wasting fuel putting on each nutrient in those kind of areas, but. That's one thing. Another thing is um, we're working really heavily on the farm with um, Agronomy 365 and BW Fusion. BW Fusion's a a company out of Fonda, Iowa. Um, they're really big into into microbials um, and different fertilizers and stuff. And then Agronomy 365 is a lab out of Alpine, South Dakota, and they go into really in-depth um, Haney testing for soil and in-season tissue sampling. So our farm is getting really in-depth on those two things, um, trying just uh, how can we be most efficient with, you know, what we've got in the ground already and how can we be, you know, get those top-end yields by using a few different products here and there and um, still keeping that ground as healthy as possible. So those are that's what keeps me up at night um, is the is the soil and tissue sample data. That's kind of what I'm really passionate about and stuff. So that's one thing that um, I focus on a lot. Yeah, Trent focuses a lot on our farm. He focuses a lot on the agronomy side, and and I piggyback a little bit off of that. Like on our on our farm, I'm more you know equipment oriented. You know what type of new variable rate stuff can we get? What can we add to our stuff? You know. We kind of both got our separate roles on the farm and what we do, but yet we still work a lot together. And we we do got an older brother that comes out and helps every once in a while. He works he works in the lending industry, ag lending industry. So we always kind of get a different perspective on that. And sometimes some of the stuff you hear there kind of keeps you up at night. It's a it's an ever changing world when it comes to farming and cost of everything, cost of equipment, cost of fertilizers, and you know from from a farmer standpoint, that's probably the stuff that keeps me up at night is just you know, being able to keep up with all with pace of everything. I mean, it, it's ever changing, and it just seems like every day something new comes out, and you know, it's 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 crazy, definitely crazy. Well, you mentioned the you know the experiments you've done with with the population and the economics of that, and you said you have a couple farmers kind of testing it out this year as well. Are, are you doing any other experiments on your farm related to SWAT or not related to SWAT? Any other kind of agronomic experiments this year that you're things you're looking at? So there's a few things. Um, number one is our bean populations that we're doing. Lately, the last couple of years, we've had issues in our soybeans with white mold. So what that is, is for people that don't know, that's a disease that'll essentially it's a, when there's not enough air movement in the beans, there'll be mold on, on the stem of the plant and it'll just kill the plant. And it'll take two years ago, we had it in some irrigated and it took 30 bushel off the 
off the beans just like that. So it's a it's a pretty deadly disease to soybeans. So kind of how we're trying to combat that is we're dropping the populations in our better fertility areas. I mean, all the way down to 85, 90,000 in those areas. When you're planting it and when the beans come up, you think you're crazy um, because there's hardly any beans out there. And then come now, you know, our three stage, you can't even walk through them because they're so thick and they branched out and things like that. So we're doing that uh, for some white mold suppression. And then we are increasing the populations on the tops of the hills to try to get those beans a little taller so we can have a little bit better success combining them um, on some on some bad fertility side hills and things. So that's one thing that we're really excited about. Hopefully that'll even out some maturities too. Um, usually our bottoms and stuff are still green when we're ready to combine the hills and stuff. So hopefully that'll kind of even out the maturity so we can combine the whole field at the same time. So that's on the kind of the variable rate side of things. And then on, on talk about the fertility side of things that we're trying a little bit. Um, we actually did some, and this is, you know, a lot of guys up in Canada and wheat country, they do this. You know, we talked to our BW Fusion rep, they do a lot of this. Um, so some melt, melting of urea and Y dropping it in corn um, at tassel time. It seems like that's a, might be a new trend, a new thing um, that we're trying on our farm just to kind of increase the plant uptake of some nitrogen at a time that it really needs it without kind of wasting the plant's energy to convert nitrogen in different ways. So just different things. If you're you know looking on the internet and looking on Twitter and things like that, you're able to pick up what other farmers are doing in different areas and um, you can just try a few different things. Yeah, it's crazy how much stuff is out there and you know, the nice thing about Twitter and, you know, stuff on the internet is you don't have enough time individually to try as many trials as you probably want, but you can get a lot of ideas from different people all over the country. And, and that is pretty cool to be able to have that information available to really see if it's something you want to try on your farm and, and things like that. So, you know, that's, that's a nice thing to have there too. Awesome. And I know before we started recording here, we were talking a little bit about the SWAT cam and you said you had just some early experiences with that technology. Uh, is there anything there that you'd want to share? So it has been really good. Um, so to kind of explain what SWAT cams are, is there are two cameras on that we put on the booms of the sprayers and they are taking images. I don't know how much, but they're taking images all the time as you're spraying post on corn and beans for our area. And then essentially it's, taking stand counts and it's taking into account the percentage of weeds out there compared to crops. And the team is really working on trying to get it really focused into corn and soybeans. Um, it seems like they've got it good for wheat and canola and stuff like that. But um, soybeans and corn is that's what they're working on right now. So um, it's exciting new technology. The data behind it's going to be cool. They're still working on it, but once they kind of get that stuff, I think that's going to be really helpful. A lot of guys we sit down and talk to and they say, hey, we say, hey, check out the website, you know, to learn more about them. And SWAT camps comes up every time. They want to be able to take that stand count with their post application. So, you know, just a little nudge, nudge, the sooner the better. That's an awesome deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that'll be definitely huge, you know, stand count by zone. I mean, that, that's something that we saw too is, you know, I'd be out planting. I plant all the corn on the operation and I'd get out and do a little digging and go, 
well, gosh, the planter works so good over there. What's going on right here where I'm not getting that trench close? I'm getting a little sidewall compaction. I look, I pull out my phone, I look at the swap map, and I go, oh, well, this zone is different. This is a this is a nine and ten. It switched right here, and I can see that. And you know, the planter operates a little bit different. And so by seeing that, and then you can see the stand counts different after emergence. You know, emergence definitely um, varies based on them soil zones and to be able to verify that with a when you're post applicating with the SWAT cams is going to be huge something crazy in the future you can see coming corn planters they got a lot of technology on them right they got pneumatic closing wheels all your hydraulic downforce will we be able to make prescriptions based on those soil types for say you know your row hydraulic downforce your closing wheel downforce the possibilities are endless there. And, it, you know, that just came to mind and kind of with the SWAT cams based on those zones to get the emergence. and Yeah. And then with that emergence, then if you do, you know, post-application of nitrogen is something, well, let's say you did plant 30,000, but only 25 came up in that, you know, zone 10 or whatever. Okay. Well, now our yield goal isn't 250 like it was supposed to be. It's only 200. Well, maybe we can back off the nitrogen application quite a bit. Gosh, just by running over it with the SWAT cam and you know that data already. It's it's some exciting stuff. And I think that's gonna be a it's gonna be a huge return on investment for farmers in the future. Well, uh what about, you know, to other farmers that might be listening that might be thinking about setting up their own sort of like precision ag shop? You know, what uh, what's been the learnings there uh, of starting off on your own business and has it worked the way you wanted it to in terms of like still giving you the chance to farm, but supplementing that income with the side business as well? Yeah, it, it's um, worked pretty well. I mean, you can't be afraid of taking no for an answer. Um, it's definitely a way to add some income to your to your farming operation. Don't be afraid to take a chance on something new. I mean, swap maps is something new. Nobody's ever heard of it. You talk to people and nobody's ever heard of it. And for instance, this, you know, Swap Maps company, it is something that is really going to take off. And I guess don't be afraid to try something new out there. What's the old saying? If you, uh, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. So don't be afraid to try something new. I would say don't feel bad to try anything new and think outside the box. Um, just because you've been doing this, this one way, there's always different ways to do things. Um, you know, even if it is working and stuff, maybe there's a little bit better way to, you know, go about something that might be a little, might free up your time more, or it might, you know, give you a little bit more cash on hand or something, but, you know, find something that you really want to do that makes things a lot easier. Just like, you know, we, we tried to sell a little bit of seed and stuff and, we kind of dreaded it a little bit, you know, when you'd go out and talk to people. Um, but now when you go out and talk to farmers and stuff about slot maps, it is um, something you, you can sit and talk to them for three or four hours if you wanted to. It's that exciting and people are interested in it. So, Well, let's, you know, as we kind of wrap up, uh, and I really appreciate this. I think we've covered a lot of great stuff here. Thank you, guys. It's, it's nice to have the dynamic of, you know, two people who are very comfortable with each other who can kind of build on to what each other's saying. This has been great. But I always like to ask as we wrap up, if you could get on your soapbox and talk to other farmers and agronomists interested in precision agriculture, what, what would be your message to them? You know, what would be your TED talk to, uh, to others in this, in this area, to this audience? My thing would be is 
don't get stuck in your old ways and and don't be afraid to try something new. You know, we have a lot of farmers in this area that are, you know, mid 60s pushing 70 and and they're always that uh well, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not going to do anything more, you know, I'm going to retire here soon or whatever, but don't be afraid to see the value in something. I mean, there is value in a lot of things. You just got to basically pick out the bad ones and and find the good ones cuz there's a you you read any farm magazine, there's a million different things out there to try. But you really have to be able to fine tune and, and find something that works for your operation. Not everything's going to work for everybody's operation the same. But my biggest thing would be is really look at your operation and do what works for you. Don't do what this person does or that person does. Really look into your operation and see what can work for you to benefit yourself, your farm, your family farm, you know, however your situation's, you know, operated to benefit your operation. I would say that you need to just take a look at kind of the service aspect of things. Um, who's really going to take care of you and who's going to spend that extra time to walk the fields with you, you know, in the next couple of weeks to see if that technology that you paid for, whether it was two and a half acre grids or swap maps, or you put out $200 worth of fertility and, you know, worth of manure or something or $400 worth of map or, you know, whatever it may be, is that actually working for you or are people just selling you the product and then um, taking your money and saying thanks for the business i'll see you next year but are you going to get those people that are going to take that extra step to you know call to make sure everything's working to walk fields with you to see where we can fine-tune things that's one thing that you know so with the swap maps and stuff i'm more of the computer guy in the background um doing a lot of the prescriptions and stuff so it's a lot of time you know changing different aspects of the field and stuff like that so it's uh it's time consuming but i think that's where the value really comes in is that i'm hoping that myself or justin know your guys's farms as well as you do by the time we're done with this and looking at these maps and um, seeing where we can really benefit and seeing where we can really help you out there All right, well, we're going to end it right there on that note. Thank you very much to both Trent and Justin Masney for being on the show. Some really valuable information there from not just a farmer's perspective, but also a service provider's perspective on the technology and what it can do for yield and profitability. I'm going to leave links in the show notes to both of their Twitter accounts so you can follow up directly with them on any of this stuff if you'd like to. And as always, you can learn more at swapmaps.com. Hey, are you finding value in this podcast? If so, we'd love it if you'd follow this podcast on your platform of choice and leave us a rating and review while you're there. If you have any recommendations at all for guests or topics or questions for the show, just tweet us by using the hashtag SWAT agronomy.